friends, welcome to another episode of I Hope I Get It, the podcast where we share stories from the audition room. I'm Taryn Stain. This week, my guest is playwright, director, teacher, and actor, Stephen Strafford. And let me just give you a little disclaimer here. Stephen and I chatted for almost two hours. And I felt that the things that Stephen and I spoke about were, which were not only um, things about the audition room, but we touched on the changes happening within the within our industry right now. Um, and there are some massive, massive changes happening. And I just felt that the conversation that we had was far too important to edit things down and you know make it um, make it you know a shorter episode. So what I have done was. Um, I split Stephen's conversation over two episodes. So this episode is part one of my two-part episode of a conversation with Stephen Strafford. Let me just give you some info on Stephen. Stephen is a Brooklyn-born, Jersey-raised actor and writer. He has been in Spamalot, which was directed by Mike Nichols. He has toured in Greece. He has appeared in Cinderella with the great Leah Salonga. And he's appeared in Peter Pan with Kathy Rigby. Stephen was seen in Chicago at the Goodman Theatre in Wonderful Town. At the Windy City Playhouse is Jesus and Stephen Hawking. At the Marriott Theatre in She Loves Me. And in Honeymoon in Vegas. Stephen is also the author and performer of the award-winning, critically acclaimed show, Methtacular which has had productions in New York, Chicago, Cincinnati, and California. He is the author of several plays that are receiving productions around the country. I hope that this conversation with Stephen will, will inspire you, first of all, that um, it will entertain you as well, but I hope that it will give you pause and that it will... Um, and that you will be open to our conversation about the changes that are happening in our industry. I recognize that change is difficult and I recognize that change has the potential to have people be hesitant towards it, but I really hope that that you will come to this conversation with an open mind. So please enjoy. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you. We have been communicating always via social media and never in person. So this is such a treat for me to, to chat to you about your life as an actor. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I've um, always been charmed by you online. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, B, so we're going to chat about... Um, like I said, you're an, you're an actor, but you're also a writer. And so I want to chat about um, that aspect of your career as well. Um, but before we do anything, let's start with some audition tales. Um, tell me, do you remember the very first audition that you did, like fresh out of college? Oh, my first sort of a professional audition? Yeah. Um, it's such an interesting question. Um, 
Yes, I, I will say, I think the one that I remember, I was technically still in school, mm-hmm. but um, it was um, my friend Deirdre, um, who was a senior with me in school, told me that her older brother, Kevin, um, was writing, was part of the writing team behind a new musical. And they were doing a workshop and needed people in it. And maybe I could put together an audition, you know, for um, for them. And um, it turned out that her brother was Kevin Murphy and the musical was Reefer Madness. <laughs> and so it was, it was a backers audition. And actually I was given a note um, in the audition um, sort of speaks to a different time that it was, but I was definitely told to not, I sang um, Suddenly Seymour, uh-huh. and I was told not to sing that song because my S's gave me away as gay. <laughs> and so, um, but they liked me and they put me in the workshop and um, I was in the ensemble and then uh, someone had like a health emergency in, in the cast, the lead, and so one of my fellow ensemble members moved up to doing the lead in the backers audition and I took over all of his ensemble parts. So I ended up having this like great time and um, Vianne Cox was in that uh, workshop and I was just floored by how talented she was. And, right. you know, I was 20 years old and just thrilled. But that, that I remember that thing about the audition where like I got that note mm-hmm. on like maybe sing that song and had a lot of mixed feelings about that. Absolutely. And, and then, um, but then I still got the job, you know? So it was like a weird, <laughs> it yeah. was a weird experience. I'm just so thrown by that note, you know, like that, your pronunciation of a letter. I mean, that's just, I don't well, know. I mean, <laughs> it was 1998, I feel like that's right. And, you know, at that time, if you were coming up as a gay actor, mm-hmm. people told you that, you know, do everything you could to not present that way. Um, I actually had a, like a lot of college experiences around that, actually, you know, a lot of, um, you're talented, but, you know, you're super gay. And I was like, I know, it's just <laughs> it's who yeah. I am. Um, but, you know, things changed as I aged. as I grew grew into the industry but that's the first time I remember like that sort of level of an audition Mm -hmm. um and like many of my experiences getting cool jobs it was completely random you know like I didn't sit out on you know out you know on online on 42nd street waiting to get seen for the thing it was that you know just this friend was like oh they need someone last second and you can probably do it because you sing and you know yeah so you never know um you you say that most of it has been random what is the most random experience you've had so um you know, I so people, I, I talk about this so freely, but people don't know me um, necessarily. I was um, uh, a drug addict. I was like a big mess for a long time. Mm-hmm. Wrote a show about it. Um, but um, coming out of that time, I was, um, I had lived in Chicago. I had been a big mess and I'd come home and then I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And while I was living in New York, I was working at uh, this fancy restaurant and frankly, not auditioning. Like I just was focused on living in New York and having fun and being young and all of 
all those things. And um, I worked like 13 days in a row at this restaurant, just the word grind, 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 grind. Yeah. And um, I had one day off. And on that day off, I said to myself, you are going to the gay bar and you are going to meet a young gentleman. You're going to have some times with that young gentleman. So I went to the local <laughs> gay bar and um, it was like this tiny little bar in Astoria, Queens um, that had karaoke. Um, and I was still drinking then. And the bartender said that she was super nice. And she was like, I'll give you a shot and a beer if you sing. Like, just for free. Like, I'll give you a shot and a beer. I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. So I got up and I sang, um, I sang uh, Faith by George Michael. Yeah. Um, uh, and afterwards, um, a man came up to me and said, hey, listen, I'm doing the casting of a European tour of Greece. And um, I would like to bring you in for that show. And I was like, uh-huh, sure you do. I was like, <laughs> you just want my, like, cool, cool, cool. And I basically all but said, like, you don't have to do all that. I'll go home with you. But he was not interested. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't even a little bit interested in that. <laughs> um, he, what he was interested in was me coming in and auditioning. But, like, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think he was serious, I guess, or like, well, to be honest, you know, this is before I got sober. And so I, once I started drinking, there was no turning that off. So I, I got like wasted. Um, I woke up in a um, gentleman's apartment um, and had missed work. Like I like was like, had missed work. Is that me? Am I making that noise? I'm going to stop making that noise now. I I'm, I'm okay. no longer will make that noise. <laughs> My apologies, listeners. Um, so, um, yeah, I woke up in this man's apartment and was like, oh, no, oh, no. So I got home and, like, called into work with this, like, lame excuse, you know, like, just completely lame. And they sort of let it go a little bit. And then on my um, home voicemail... Um, because again, this is some time ago. Um, <laughs> uh, my home voicemail, there was a message saying like, can you be at Chelsea Studios um, at uh, like whatever, you know, time in the afternoon. And I was the sort of hungover where you're actually just drunk. Like you're just drunk. Yeah, yeah. And I used to smoke <laughs> too. So I had like, I like tasted like an ashtray. I was just a mess. But I like <laughs> hopped into the shower and like the, on the message, they were like, we'll give you the sides there. But if you know the song Mooning, sing that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I know that song. I had done Grease in high school. So I get in the shower. I like pull myself together. I like get to Chelsea Studios. They hand me sides. They hand me, I sing Mooning. I sing it really well. Um, and they um, <laughs> give me sides for Eugene. And they say, listen, what we're casting is for Eugene covering Roger and maybe Duty. So then they had me sing those magic changes. I sang that well. And they, you know, and I then did the Eugene sides. And I, I'm like built to play that sort of role. You know what I mean? My voice, all of it. So I do the audition and they're like, okay, um, we're pretty much offering you this role. Um, but you have to have a passport because we need you to be in Germany in three days. And I was like, what? Oh, so okay. I, got, yeah, so I got my passport. I had to go to Connecticut to get a same day passport. I did that. 
And then three days later, I was in Germany learning hip hop choreography and crying in like a rehearsal <laughs> studio because I am not a dancer. And I was like, I don't know how to do any of this. Um, but I ended up being on that tour for like maybe like seven, eight months. Um, and it was super fun. But yeah, all from singing karaoke in a gay bar in Queens. That, I, that story, I, I love that story. <laughs> Yeah, some of the most random uh, things out of the most random things come the most um memorable experiences that we've had yeah yeah it's um it's often been that way um you know the the big job like the big big job that got me to like the next level was i did um uh i did uh spam a lot and I did, so instead of like a second national tour, yeah. they did um, a sit down in Las Vegas. And um, my friend from college, same tiny college, <laughs> um, my friend was in casting <laughs> um, and she um, brought me, uh, she basically, her last thing, she was like leaving the casting office. It was a Tara Rubin casting. And her, one of her last things she did was she got me an mm -hmm. audition. Right, like a pre-screen. I went in and um, I blew it. Like I didn't blow it, but I was so nervous that I did everything like double time. I was like, like just couldn't, I was, I was so nervous. And I knew I was so right for this part. Like I just knew it. This was the um, part that Christian Borel originated on, on Broadway. And so okay. I, um, so I like leave and it's like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Like I had rehearsed and rehearsed, but like maybe it yeah. just wasn't meant to be. And I got to the elevator and then I heard Mary Sugarman, who's a casting director at, at Tara Rubin still. She yelled down the hall. She was like, Stephen, wait. And so I'm at the elevator. And I was like, yes. And she's like, come back. <laughs> and so I was like, so I came back in the room and she was like, Stephen, I'd like you to do everything again but slower. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was like, it's just um, that, well, and I finished her sentence and I said, I shouldn't act like I'm really super nervous and want this job a lot. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, <laughs> that would be great. And so um, I did it again. And then, you know, uh, that led me to three more auditions and um, getting the job. Actually, I didn't get the job. Originally, it was given to someone else. Uh, mm -hmm. I think an ensemble member from the Broadway company, but they didn't want to leave the Broadway company. So I got yeah. two calls. You know, I got all the way to the end and then didn't get yeah. it. And then on Thanksgiving Day, I found out that I was going to work with Mike Nichols and Casey Nicola and all that. Yeah. So great. Um, but it's all, it's all because of Mary, you know, giving yeah. me a second. And, and how, um, how great that she recognized that what you were giving was, was your nerves, you know, like she recognized that there was, there's more to you than your nervous rushed, I'm spiraling performance and, you know, to call you back and say, okay, take it down. And, you know, cause she, it's like she knew. So, um, I think that's so, God, I wish that always happened. <laughs> Yeah, I know, me too. You know, um, I am still nervous. 
Mm-hmm. I'm always um, and sometimes it lands in just the right way, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then there are times where I can like, and I know it in the hallway. I I know it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. There are times where I'm like, oh, you're really nervous, but this is going to be great, you know. But yeah. then there's times where that's not the case. It's almost like you feel you. It's it's like you know how to use the nerves to your advantage. You know, sometimes you just know, like, these nerves that I'm feeling, they're there, but they're going to serve me now. And then you mm-hmm. then you have those nerves, you're just like, this is, I'm done. Before I even walk in, I'm done. Yes, exactly. And I I do a lot of audition coaching. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I'm a better audition coach than I am an auditioner. Um, but I am, um, when I coach people on auditions, I'm always talking about the holistic experience. Right. Like, I want to talk about, like, how are you in the hall? How yeah. are you running into that person who you don't like? Like, mm-hmm. what does that do to your mind? Like, what can we do to harness those things that get in your way, you know? And and what you're saying is what I try very hard to teach, which is always find why your character is nervous Mm-hmm. always find why it's so important that your characters succeed and then start to like marry those two things yeah because it, it's the the thing is that like I think that trips us up right with nerves is trying to pretend we're not nervous right yeah and sometimes I talk about it very frankly in the room there are rooms where I've been like oh y'all I really want this job <laughs> because it's the truth yeah. And, um, and there are times where that comes out in a way that I think feels um, natural. And there are times I've said it and realized I've just talked myself out of a job, <laughs> you know, just because yeah. like the room, like they don't want to take that on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. They're, I mean, they don't want to feel responsible for your rejection at the end of the day. Yes. Um, exactly. And I love that you speak about that you you speak about having a holistic approach to auditions and it's 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 so true and so i think so important because from the minute that you wake up everything that happens up until that minute that you're in front of that panel is going to add to whatever you deliver in that room um mm-hmm. the train is late um your heel breaks uh do you know what i mean um yeah. every little tiny thing um it adds up to that final product that you give them you know because I, I don't think we give ourselves the time before we go in to go okay the train was late my heel broke but I'm okay because that's not going to serve me now so everything serves you <laughs> right and also that like getting okay with how like sometimes the day is shot mm-hmm and sometimes it's just not going to happen. At least for me, I mean, I, I, I guess there are, huh, I think I'm going to say this and maybe this will be taken wrong by listeners, but sorry. Um, I think uh, acting is a, a profession that is rife with low-grade sociopaths (laughs) Um, 
because you know there are those people who can just completely dissociate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and go into this other mode i am not that person um i often say like the metaphor for me is like acting wants you to be a scab like it wants you to be like hardened over over all the pain you have mm-hmm. and i am a bruise <laughs> like i'm mm-hmm. soft to the touch i'm vulnerable to more pain um and you know that's a which means like the people who get me get me yeah. all the way through you know yeah. um but yeah like it's those sorts of like what do you do when everything is against you on the day yeah and like sometimes i think the answer is you know it's it's like uh, you know not to be too spooky spooky spiritual but it's radical acceptance right it's just mm-hmm. like well sometimes things don't line up yeah (laughs) you know um and there are also instances of days where like that sort of at the end of my ropeness um is what gets gets me like locked into doing a good audition you know just that sort of like well yeah i've had a terrible day at least i can enjoy this yeah um do you know listening to you say that it just uh, made me think I had a one of the teachers at college used to always tell us this always leading up to our particularly our dance exams she would always say um you could give me you could be the greatest dancer in every class throughout the entire year and have one bad day and that day be your exam and it doesn't make you less than um it doesn't take away from your abilities and I think the same is with an audition. A bad audition doesn't make me less than an actor. And it certainly doesn't take away the abilities that I have as an actor. And it doesn't lessen the skills that I have. Um, but I also think that if it's meant for me, it will find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, maybe maybe I'm just not meant to work with those people. Because um, if, if we work together maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked out we wouldn't have gotten along there was just nothing would have been um what's the word i'm looking for copacetic um mm-hmm. you know so it just um so and it's t- i mean it's taken me a while to come to the realization that okay if that that's obviously not meant for my space and that's okay i mean still now i'm like oh my god what am i doing wrong but um but just in the back of my mind, I'm always hearing that teacher saying, even if you have, even if your one bad day happens to be the day of the exam, it doesn't make you less than before. Right. Yeah, it's, um, right. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, you're just as good as you are in that day in rehearsal where everyone's laughing at all your choices. Right. You know, it's just a different day and it's a different mm-hmm. room. And I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. Like for me, you know, I'm in my forties now and I no longer have the energy to fake it. Mm-hmm. I just right. can't fake it anymore. And mm-hmm. so I have gotten to a place where I've cut auditions off just sort of been like, I don't think this is working out, is it? And, and, you know, usually it's met with a very kind sort of like, yeah, it's not going to. And I'm like, great, have a good day. 
because yeah. acting hmm, I've been fortunate enough to work steadily enough in Chicago, especially I moved to Chicago and I've, I've worked a lot here um, that it's become my job. Yeah. And it's not like a, it's not my dream. It's my job. And, um, and because of that, you start to think of yourself as a worker, right? Like I'm a worker. Right. And I, if I'm in a restaurant job, which I've done a plenty of, mm -hmm. if I'm in a restaurant job and a manager speaks to me in a way that I find, you know, I don't mind being told what to do. And I don't mind even being like chastised for not listening to what I've been told to do. But if you're any level of um, disrespect that makes me feel belittled, Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I tend these days to call that out, which makes me, you know, maybe probably have a reputation, I guess, <laughs> probably in certain circles, but I think it's about the room. Um, mm -hmm. like for example, I had an audition that went really well. It was going great. And, um, but in the middle of it, I just had this funny thought and I thought I would share it, which was, um, I had, I'd done all the, the sides and I was about to sing. And, um, and I circled around myself and I said, aren't auditions just the strangest construct of time and space and energy? <laughs> and the accompanist who had not been addressed said, this one certainly is. And I said, oh good, heckling. Can you please play the piano? <laughs> And I ended up getting a callback from that audition. You know, it was fine. But like 10 years ago, that would have broken mm -hmm. me. Yeah. I, I would have, I would have just been, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that that person said that to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but now I, I feel comfortable drawing that boundary. That makes sense. I yeah. feel like I'm going on all sorts of tangents. No, but yes. And that does make sense. And I, I think that, um, it's, I know it's so tricky, especially if you're like fresh out of college, you know, we all know what our, you know, I, I would hope anyway, that people know what their worth is, you know, and that, um, and what you will and will not stand for, um, as a person. Um, and I think when you're, when you're fresh out of college and it's like, um, I have to, I have, I'm trying to build a reputation and I'm trying to build this career. And so I will just take anything, but I think they get, there comes a point in your career. Um, and you know, my hats off to people who are strong enough from, from leaving college to go, actually, I will not stand for that. And I, I, I need a job, but I don't need this job because I don't need that. Um, I wish that I had been more like that. It would have saved me so much. Um, <laughs> A mental and emotional um, trauma, I guess. Um, but I think, you know, I think there comes a point in your career um, where you're like, I, I'm, I will not stand for this. I will stand for that. And um, this is my worth. And um, 
you you know you don't have to like me but you can't deny what i bring to the table and if you don't use it that's fine someone else will yeah exactly it's um yeah that's i'm you know i'm uh in grad school currently i'm teaching mm -hmm. undergrads and um i it's the only thing i want to teach people is just the the when that gut feeling that someone is treating you with less respect than you desire, you can say something. Right. And yes, there will be consequences. But like, mm -hmm. that's your choice. That there, You have a choice in that moment. I think yeah. um, one of the hardest things about being an actor is that you can very often feel like a meat puppet. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, you have sort of the least amount of agency in the room. Um, and yep. that's from the audition right through closing. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not closing, right through opening. Re usually once everybody, all the creatives leave, you've got a lot more agency. <laughs> but like, but that's the thing too, right? Like how sad is it that so often on a gig, you'll see like older actors being like, oh, it's fine. Once the director leaves, you can do what you want. You know what I mean? Like, it's that sort of like, what if, what if from the jump, we all spoke up more for the things that we wanted, you know? Um, right now there's such this, you know, there's a seismic shift. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And it's fascinating as someone who has come up um, in the like, you're young, be quiet, mm -hmm. you know, Yeah. until someone talks to you, you know, like, don't, you just say yes and all that stuff. That was what was taught, you know, and yeah. that's all changing and it's fascinating to watch. Um, yeah. And then how does auditioning fit into that seismic shift, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. <clears throat> that sort of process of, uh, what can easily feel like laying yourself prostrate, you know, in front of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, flaying your own skin for people to be like, yes, do you like how I'm doing this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, how do you find um, agency in that as well? Pardon. No, I, I hear, I, I just, um, and like you're saying, there is a shift, a massive shift happening um, within our industry. Um, and I think as long as we, and you know, every, with change comes, you know, people, there's resistance to it. And mm -hmm. there are, you know, every, you know, there, and then there's the, the gung ho, you know, <laughs> going for it. And then there's everybody mm -hmm. else is, you know, kind of just, we're just kind of feeling it out. And I think um, as long as you know what your own personal boundaries are, um, you know, and like what you know, what you will and will not stand for and how how far you are willing to go and how far you're willing to sacrifice certain things to to allow something to happen. Um, I think I think if we all just keep that in mind, um, this new transition that's happening will be a little easier. It's not going to be easy, and it has not been easy, but it will be hopefully a little bit easier if we're just mindful of those, of, of, of who we are and what our personal boundaries 
you know, what, what our personal boundaries are. Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's that thing where I'm at my best auditioning when I am able to have humility. And by humility, mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> pardon me, by humility, I mean, like, being on the same level as the people in the room. I'm not better than them. They're not better than me. We're all human beings yeah. who had lunch, hopefully pooped. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. their digestive yeah. systems, but like, you know, here's hoping. You know, we're all just people. And right. when I'm in that space, then I'm able to, you know, be vulnerable and uh, try something and be yeah. open to other ideas and not feel yeah. like, because, you know, it's that thing, right? It's all perspective. Like, I, on a good day, will hear a note and be like, oh, that's an interesting other way to go that's different than what I was thinking. Let me try yeah. it and see if it works. Yeah. On a less good day, I'm like, mm -hmm. you hate me. You don't wish I wasn't here. You think I'm not talented. Like it's it's what it's tuning your ears in. And I think to to speak to what we were just speaking on, I think this transition. I mean, to be fair, I'm missing a lot of it because I'm in grad school. I'm doing kind of other things, but mm -hmm. like I am fascinated to see what changes and what stays the same. Yeah. I just, I'm so fascinated. Mm -hmm. um, because I definitely got to a point where um, I think, you know, I was saying, it's like I, I would talk back, you know, if someone was rude, but I was always asking questions because it took me a long time to realize that I am someone who needs to clarify a direction very often. But for yeah. you know, but for years I just thought like, oh, I better just try it as opposed to taking a breath and reminding myself that like once you're getting a direction, you're in rehearsal. And so like you're able, I think, you know, and sometimes it does backfire with certain directors, but if I don't understand a direction. I'm a peer with this person and I'm able to say, right. so I don't get it. What can you, can you put it mm -hmm. a different way? Because right now all I'm hearing is like, do it this way. And is that what you want? You know, um, the worry I have with this transition is that everyone's just going to be scared all the time. Mm -hmm. That everyone's going to be scared to say the wrong thing. So no one's going to say anything. Mm-hmm. My hope for this transition is that people remember that people are more important than the show. Yes. Yes. That is like my deep hope. Mm -hmm. um, that the shows that sing are because the people who are doing them are excited to be there, you know, and that, that starts right from the jump. Mm -hmm. It starts right from the process of getting the job. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I agree with that. I think, 
as long as, uh, and I, I hope that this transition will will mean that a lot more people feel safer in the room. Yes. Like you said, to ask a question. And I hope that um, our creatives um, allow us to be their peers and to ask questions and so that it is a collaborative effort. Of course, as an actor, my job is to serve the writer and to serve the director's vision. Um, but I would hope that I, the working relationship was was one where I felt safe enough to say, I, I see where you're going with this. I had this idea. Do you think it could work? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Because what, maybe it does work. Maybe it doesn't work, do you know? Um, but let's have a, a space that is safe enough, safe enough for us to have that dialogue. And um, I'm not saying to question every single thing, but, um, you know, just if... We, if, both, we both know that actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, I, I just think it's, um, it's just, I just think it's important that our spaces where we are telling stories, where we are being vulnerable and we are, we are having a shared experience is a space where everybody feels safe and everybody feels that um, that they are part of the team and everybody feels that they have a voice and everybody feels like it it is a collaborative effort that's that's my hope <laughs> you know I mean white patriarchal heteronormative supremacy cisgendered supremacy, all of that, you know, is just, this is neither here nor there, but I had a big fight. I did, um, I did a production. I won't say what show I was on a show. Um, and, uh, a, a woman in the cast, a white, a white woman. Um, and I'm white too, everyone that as if like people couldn't tell from my very specific white voice, <laughs> but, um, the, um, this white woman was complaining to me about New York auditions and how there was no work for white women anymore. And we got into this big fight, you know, because I was like, it's just not true. That's not true. Like, the numbers don't support what you're saying. And what you're buying into is white supremacy. That like, somehow like there should always be jobs for white people before anybody else gets a job. And I just like, it is like, grosses me out. You know, I just like, I just don't know. I mean, and we fought about it and then, you know, she did that, started to cry. It was a whole thing. Um, and I just, you know, said what I had to say and then we didn't really talk for the rest of the contract. But like, I'm hoping that this time away has made some of those people who have, I wouldn't say, my guess is she's not overtly racist. You know what I mean? My guess is she's not, you know, uh, she's probably committing microaggressions all over the place, but I don't think she's a macro aggressor. But I hope that this time has maybe made her 
look at things and wake up a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's like all of that stuff is super, it feels like the most important thing to come out of this time, right? And it's like yeah. the grumbling I hear from white circles around it is just so deeply troubling and makes me so sad and and mad. Like I just, you just tell them all to shut up individually. I mean, that's like all you can do and just be like, hey, maybe think about it this way. But it just reminds you like how these systems are in place, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just, um, I want to believe that they'll break down. I know this is like all about auditioning, right? This is supposed to be like super fun, <laughs> but, like a fun conversation. <laughs> but you know, but these this is, these are important conversations to have as well, especially living in the time that we are living in, because um, you know our theaters are opening up again, and we're about to start auditioning again. And so um, you know, we've been away for a long time. It's mm. been a long. It's been a very long year, um, and. Um, I can understand how uh, that people are hesitant to go back because there has been this shift and um, everything's kind of been brought to the surface. Things that have been bubbling underneath for a very long time have been brought to the surface and there's it, like a reckoning happening and um, yeah, change is scary. Mm -hmm. and change you know growing pains are painful um <laughs> and um you know i think i just think it yeah I, I don't know i just think we need to all work together and listen to everybody um so that everyone is heard and you know every, it just has to be a group effort and everyone has to be committed to to growing and to the change um you know you don't have to like every single aspect of it but respect that there is change respect that there is growth and you know it's yeah yeah it's like you can't hope to change institutions writ large but you can hope that all of the people who make up the institution can mm -hmm. change individually yeah. right yes you hope that and then that moves the institution forward Thank you for joining us for this episode of I Hope I Get It. I hope that these conversations will continue to entertain and inspire you all. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can keep up to date with the podcast on Instagram at I Hope I Get It Pod. You can also find us on Facebook if you just type in I Hope I Get It. Thank you.